Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of Circuit 42. I am your host, Ian. I am here with Ma- Magical Wizard, Angry Man About Space, Daniel Williams. I'm from space. Space, you know. He's got spaceships and shit. Sandra, she loves her- herself some cheapy venom. I know. Wait, wait a minute. I'm not a variant. Shifty eyes. Womp womp. And Michael, we finally gave him back his katana. Yeah, I'm a samurai again. Fuck yeah, you are. Fuck yeah. So with that, we are here to talk about the last two episodes of what has recently been announced to be Season 1 of Loki. We are here to review Episode 5 of Loki, Journey into Mystery, and Episode 6, For All Time Always. So with that, who would like to start us off? I like to say that um, I really like the title of the ab- of that episode, Journey into Mystery, because it's it's uh, it's the, the the same title of comic that uh, that appear that Thor and Loki appeared a long long time ago, back when Marvel was still a little Marvel. <laughs> and Loki was kind of funky looking. I'm sorry, fan oh, girls. Yeah, he, he doesn't was, look like that in was, the comics. He was craggly. That's the best description I make of class of not not classic Loki, classic comic Loki. He's he was never the pretty boy, even in like in the in the cartoons in the sixties he has that evil voice. See, I will get Thor and, and kidnap Jane Foster. Well, let's be honest though. I mean, cartoons really do require some kind of animation. Those were more like slideshows. Yeah, and at least it could have been worse. It could have been like the clutch cargo like method where you could see their live action mouths and oh my god. Or what's that new anime on Netflix? It's supposed to be like this dark fantasy, and it's got I think it's got all the different gods and it. it's just got horrible animation. Like it was made this. Oh, year. is it the one with the with the uh, uh, the Venus it, with with it, the with the golem bra? Yes, that one. I can't remember the name of it, but I know the animation is apparently really awful. What, yeah, was, I was it Blood of Zeus or no? Something in that range. I think it's called like something Ragnarok because I was trying to type in Loki in one of those Japanese fan art websites, and it t- goes to that same anime. Oh, it is Ragnarok. No! Yeah, the animation is is like beautifully awful in this in the show. Uh, nice how you say beautifully awful. Yep. Because, because that's how I describe the animation of and be, keep in mind I love this anime I love the manga <sighs> Way of the House Husband. I Sorry. love the anime, but the animation kind of kind of stinks on ice. But I love it anyway. Yep. But uh, speaking speaking of Ragnarok and just uh, throwing that out there, uh, it feels like every episode uh, Sandra is trying to give uh, Tara Strong a run for her money when it comes to these voices. <laughs> Um, Seems so, what are you talking about? As 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 she alluded to, uh, Journey the Mystery is uh you know the the comic where Thor and, and Loki showed up in, in the Marvel universe, and um, it is very fitting because the Journey into the Mystery used to be a comic book that was kind of like a precursor to Marvel's What If, um, which is also barreling down on us. If you haven't seen a trailer for it, you should be pretty hyped for it at this point, um, especially if you've also seen, you know, the whole Loki series and knowing what they're going to be branching out into. But um, as, as 
this episode starts, we uh, pick up where we left off and Loki thought he was in hell with one L. And it turns out he's surrounded by um, all sorts of different uh, Lokis, classic Loki, boastful Loki, kid Loki and floor Loki. Basically. Gator Loki. <laughs> He's the best one. Burt Reynolds oh, as really Gator Loki. I was to hear Dan say, say Gator. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm on the, I've been watching the show Dave. Uh, there's a character on there named Gator, which is uh, Dave's real-life hype man, and his name's Gator. That's why every time I see uh, Gator Loki, I have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it, makes me, it, it makes me think of two things. It makes me think of... Um, Monsters Inc. And <laughs> when I, I damn uh, uh, Randall, I think his name is right. He mm, accidentally yeah. goes into like a, a trailer park or something, and then there's like, oh, mama, another Gator came, and she's oh, like, oh, okay, the C. Buscemi um, And then it also makes me think of um, <laughs> oh shit, the, the the name is of oh, the uh, the other guys. Oh yeah, <laughs> Will Errol as Gator. So, What's um, strange is like when I think of it now, like when I think of Gator from uh, the show, I kind of get it. It makes me kind of nostalgic for like uh, all real monsters and stuff like that. I love reason. all real monsters. That show was great. It just popped in my head. Somebody needs to cosplay like a like crossover, like Will Ferrell Gator as Loki. Oh yes, that happens. But uh, okay, we're we're we're. We gotta reel it back. <laughs> yes, we. Do. This episode was full of Easter eggs. Ah, but it was yeah. so good. Like mm-hmm. the Thanos copter. Dude, from, yes, uh, the Thanos copter made me happy. Holy shit! From Spidey Super Stories number thirty-nine from nineteen seventy-nine. Not also, not only the Thanos copter, we saw fucking Throg. Dude, yeah, Throg. Uh, Ecto Cooler was being held by Kid Loki. Polybius was actually in the background. I didn't even catch that the first time around. Oh, uh, yeah. His, their lair is like, so if you, this is just me being weird, but it's laid out with oriental rugs. I was like, hmm, to have that nice classic feel, has that classy feel to it. Yeah. If you guys don't know what Polybius is, this is an urban legend arcade machine that was part of an, an experiment with the Men in Black uh, in the 80s. It was supposed to it apparently cause horrible side effects and stuff like that. It's it's one of those creepy pasta type situations, but it's it's got a life of its own. And well, it was cool seeing it in the background of the layer. Well, that and like another another cool one is the uh, was it the Lighthouse of Alexandria, which is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, but it's not in our timeline because it was actually pruned by several earthquakes. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the, we saw, the, of course, the void. And um, we also saw, um, I think we were talking about it a little bit earlier, uh, um, the Kang. Uh, it's pronounced, or rather spelled out uh, Q-E-N-G, oh, sorry, Q-E-N-G, um, which is uh, alluding to the comic books um, when a version of Kang bought out Stark Industries under the um, pseudonym uh, Mr. Griffin. So that was a big little drop, and I, I'm fairly certain um, after a couple of rewatches, I could have swore I've seen like the Daily Bugle and the Sanctum Sanctorum as well. Also, um, I think 
Ian mentioned this uh, at one point when I was talking to him and uh, a conversation about the show. There's actually a really cl- a cool old uh, Navy ship on there. If you want to talk about it a little bit there, Ian. Yeah, um, that's definitely something to bring up. Um, but um, here's a funny thing, and this is just me because I'm weird. Uh, when I saw The Void, am I the only one who thought of the nothing for a never-ending story? <laughs> oh, yes. Yep. But yeah, uh, you're talking about the USS Eldridge, um, which mm-hmm. it, we see it as a massive World War II-era battleship that just falls from above. And it's a uh, it's a cannon-class destroyer. And basically, this was a real ship that was used during World War II. But there was a conspiracy called the Philadelphia Experiment, where basically what happened is that the, there, was, there was a rumor procedure that the ship turned invisible. It teleported to New York... And then to other dimensions where they met aliens. Then through time, where a couple of sailors end up winding up getting fused to the ship's hull. And if you watch the show and look very closely, you do see the sailors fused to the ship. Which is kind of nuts and also kind of horrific. Also, uh, about... Apparently, I didn't even notice this one either. Uh, this is a small thing. Uh, Stan Lee may have been in the episode. At 9 minutes and 38 seconds, there's a m- mural in the TBA headquarters of Stan Lee, supposedly. Mm. But, mm. Oh, speak, oh, and going back to uh, Elioth, you mentioned that... Wait, you mentioned something fused together? Yeah, Ian? in the Philadelphia... Um, if you watch with the USS Eldridge... Uh, they're actually sailors fused to the ship. Which oh, is, yeah. Yeah, which is something that, uh, from the conspiracy, they believe that the sailors actually end up being fused on it through the teleportation and then not and going through other dimensions because the whole conspiracy is that they didn't know the effect of it. And so by the time they finally got, went through all the dimensions and kept teleporting and teleporting, is that the sailors were actually fused to the ship itself. Wow. Yeah. There was also a really bad 1984 movie called The Philadelphia Experiment, which added time travel to the equation. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense for the Loki tie in there. Yep. It's a terrible ass movie. I mean, the whole conspiracy is stupid, but like that movie Peace. just makes it even better. And then Pizza Planet Truck thing. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and just to make sure that we're uh, hitting a lot of the, the major Easter eggs we also saw... Um, what looked like a, an enlarged um, statue of uh, Yellow Jacket, and we also saw uh, a statue for the Living Tribunal. Oh yeah, that was actually cool too. Uh, the music this episode was pretty awesome too. It kind of had a great, uh, like the heroic Loki theme uh, that they had, and they had. Uh, couple other Loki uh, centric themes from like just uh, from Marvel history uh, as far as the, the MCU so far. Supposedly Ant-Man was in it. Oh, not Ant-Man. No, that's the Yellow Jacket. Sorry. It's the Guardians of the Galaxies were apparently in there somewhere with a heli- with a helicat carrier hanging around. Well, it's actually Ro- it's ship. actually Ronin's ship. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a dark aster. <laughs> And then the flying saucer was just cool because they looked like the one from the thing. Yep. So it's funny how you mentioned the USS Eldridge because there's this um, shall we say, smoke monster thing called the Eliath, and there was a scene like you know a few 
like later, like in the middle of it, where Eliath eats the people of the USS Eldritch and they basically disintegrate them into bones and nothing. Yeah, their life just didn't get any better after after the whole after the Philadelphia experiment. And that is horrifying to look at. Yep. And that's why I love. That's why I've noticed oddly enough about the MCU shows is that they go into some content, especially I mean, because remember when we, when we reviewed uh, WandaVision, we talked about the fact that yeah, she didn't kill um, Agatha, but really what she did was worse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I love about the MCU series so far is that they deal with some fucking grim shit, like mentally so, that you don't see in the movies, which I find kind of interesting. By the way, that the you know, I think in the beginning of the of the episodes you see the TVA spinning and a few commenters online says that it's similar to like the this like how the camera rotates in Black Panther or Inception, if you want to go further than that. Mm. <laughs> Just wanna point that out. Like, you know, people yeah. people are saying this. And um, there, there's really so much happening um, in, in what gets dubbed uh, the void that um, it's hard to lose track of or sorry, it's easy to lose track of some of the things that are happening back at the, the TVA, because as far as um, Sylvia is concerned, she she thought that Loki just got murdered. So she's holding uh, Ravona at um, what, what, what are those um, like she's at pruning sticks, I guess. <laughs> And uh, she's demanding answers from her and um, basically trying to figure out what's, what happened to Loki, um, trying to figure out who's actually behind the TVA and you know, all seeking the answers to, you know, to fulfill her request for, for vengeance. And basically, uh, Ravona ends up stalling for time and she, she wants to convince Sylvie that she's looking for those same answers, too. And... Um, Stupidly enough, because um, I guess uh, one a stupid turn deserves another after Ravona let Sylvie just slip away as a child. We also want to address the fact let that... Let Ravona have her tempad back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to also address the fact that Miss Minute is definitely seeming more and more sentient from episode to episode. Oh, yeah. And like, very suspicious. Like, she's literally the one that that's trying to stall while uh, they're waiting for backup. And she's all nervous because it's like, oh, where are these people? They're supposed to be our backup. She's and a clippy gone mad. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think she's just clippy from uh, Windows. She's clearly got more that she can actually. She's definitely probably more than what she seems for sure. She's like, are yeah, you sure you want me knowing... to save that file? <laughs> yeah, and knowing that there's going to be a season two, it, uh, it makes me curious as this, um, whether or not they're going to delve into Miss Minutes' uh, origins and figure out exactly what uh, what her deal is. Because that bet, whole, you know, sort of both thing, um, we got to figure out what's uh, going on with that. Here's a theory. I bet Miss I bet Miss Minutes is Kang's Jarvis. Like similar yeah. to you know, you know how Tony Stark has Jarvis. <laughs> I could actually totally see that, and um, I really do hope they they come up with this, because there are going to be so many new cosplay ideas for Sandra, too. <laughs> Maybe she's uh, Dr. Doom all along. <laughs> that sounds as legit as some of the conspiracies, some of the theories from other shows. 
I well, think honestly, it's uh, a lot of people were trying to say that the big bad of this show was going to be Doctor Noom, which it was also plausible with some of the stuff they threw out there. Mm-hmm. But obviously, it was going to be Kane because he was already cast and everything. But um, yeah, yeah, I, w- I was going to be so disappointed. Um, I, we're kind of like jumping ahead here. But I, I really was gonna be disappointed if they didn't, you know, make good on that. But um, you know, sorry, I wasn't trying, trying to, to jump in. No, it's okay. Um, I'm trying to uh, reel it back to the journey to mystery, though. Um, so we we do get Sylvie coming to to the void relatively quickly. Um, and it's, it's pretty important that we do get all these uh, Logies together as soon as possible. because uh, uh, Sylvie ends up. You know, figuring out that it's you know come, some kind of trap that Ravona's trying to set, and she ends up pruning herself right in front of all these uh, Minutemen, which is something that kind of helps push along the idea of like, hey, they're they're very surprised because like um, nobody's supposed to self prune, and, and Ravona's yeah, so- kind of there, and she's like kind of at this point she's erating that like bureaucratic evil that you have to wonder after she had. Mobius pruned like so mercilessly in the last episode like did she just immediately call in more people to prune these guys who just saw Sylvie self prune hmm logic does not always uh, fit here (laughs) no but Sylvie does get back and she gets uh, rescued by Mobius in a pizza planet Um, sadly it's not the jet ski but she it's a land jet ski. Pizza planet. That 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 was the best for me. I thought it was the best entrance in this episode. Cause it's like, goddamn it, goddamn it. He's speeding up like he's Lightning McQueen. <laughs> I'd like to point out he still he should have came in on a a jet ski somehow. Oh, yeah. What is a <laughs> yeah. car than a jet ski on? On land. <laughs> oh, yeah. And before that, uh, Sylvie, you know, was cha- was being chased by the Eliath and she she enchants the thing and she sees a castle like Hogwarts. It reminds me of Hogwarts, to be honest. Would you say it was a castle in the sky? Yes, it is. Okay. And and the castle oh, definitely my. did like. It probably helped like fuel the speculation that it was going to be doomed. Castles in the sky. Oh yeah, because it looked like Doom's castle almost. Yeah, like like it kind of reminded me like if anybody else played uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Ah, it was awesome. That that castle. Yeah, it was. Yeah, seriously, like those in the X Men Legends game, they someone just they just need to do like a game like a collection with all those. Uh, like um, I have Marvel Ultimate Alliance three. Black Order, and I was looking forward to it so much, and it was like one of my first Switch games. But honestly, I found it pretty disappointing. But that's just me. Three is pretty, but I was gonna say I'm gonna say I've never heard of this shirt. Clearly, does not exist. Yeah, I I I actually I play uh, Marvel Future Fight on my mobile, and it's like more enjoyable than this game. So, oh god, he plays mobile games. Oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's actually not too bad. Why would you want to play? It's cool. Can yeah. we talk about how awesome Alligator Loki is? I mean, there yes. are some, there are some yeah. reaction shots. Like you don't know what what he's thinking, but you kind of want your and you just like you as a as a viewer want to project your personality onto this this little CGI 
cutie patootie. Hmm. Gator Loki is an irritated observer, and I love it. Uh, Alligator Loki, uh, the kiddie pool next to his his kiddie pool, actually had a copy of the Mystery and Lore of Monsters uh, just sitting next to him, which is an appropriate book for, you know, just his whole persona. And he likes wine in a box. (laughs) Why? Roxy wine. Yes, Roxy wine. So it's not just it's not just like the fancy box wine. It's it's a rocks cart, rocks cart wine. You gotta you gotta brand that. They've been dropping so many hints for for rocks on. They they desperately need to do something with them. Yep. There is also a plant in the hideout that's supposed to be a variant Yggdrasil or Yggdrasil. So maybe plant Loki. I don't know. Oh. Maybe my bamboo is a variant. I would not put it past the show to have plant Loki. That's kind of why, kind of why I love it. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, why not? I'm just here. I'm just here I'm just doing chilling, plant stuff, taking, you know, making oxygen. Yeah. What What is so crazy about this show is the the things that they set up. It's like they can pretty much do anything, and we aren't. We can't even be mad about it. Yep. Oh, we forgot to mention with the car with Mobius that the mm-hmm. license plate says Grinwald, which is Mark Grinwald, the the writer and oh, Grinwald, yeah. based on. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it was G R N W one D. By the way, is it? It just makes me happy that Mark Grinwald is getting oddly enough a lot of recognition in the uh, in the um, MCU shows because it's like I've talked about before. He was one of those. He was just one of those like universally loved writers and editors at Marvel, and it's kind of sad. The only reason that his Captain America run stopped was sadly because he passed away. But like he was on, I think he was on Captain America for a decade, and I'm like, you look at creative teams where they're like where they get like six issues and they're gone, and I'm like, I would love the idea of one book that it's just one person's baby, even if it's published by the big two, where it's like. You do this, you make your book, you create your universe. Because he basically created a lot of what we've seen in these shows in the last in that ten year run. Yeah. Yeah. And also, there's there's our like you know we got some favorite lo- variant Lokis. Uh, one of them is Kid Loki, and his Nexus event is he killed Thor. And he okay, here's my theory, and he can. Sh- shoot some theories your own. I think it was by accident. It was a prank gone wrong. I think a few like commenters think like says like, oh, he's like a demented little kid here. He, no, I, I feel like I know I, I feel like that's that's a pretty good um way of looking at it because the way that he said that he killed Thor, it didn't really seem like he was particularly proud of he it. Wasn't, he wasn't. No. Kind of more like I did it, and I think um, as we're learning more and more, and uh, the producers are giving us some background, um, they have laid out and said that Kid Loki is actually the the oldest Loki there, and he arrived thousands of years before the others, and just because they're at the end of time, he hasn't aged. So. I feel like maybe what happened was like he like like Sandra said, um, and it's been thrown out there that he killed Thor accidentally and 
just he's kind of like gathered stories from the other Lokis and kind of like they they respect him for it because they have like more experience with their Thors. But he's just kind of you got a little bit of sense of that like remorse and just kind of like, yeah, I did it. And I accept the fact that that kind of puts me in a different league. But uh, there wasn't a whole lot of pride to it. Well, it, and it's kind of brings in that con- the uh, that sense of tragedy, like you said, because it's like, I mean, what hatred would he, especially being so young at the time, what hatred would he really have had uh, for Thor at this time, even as, as a child? Because in the stories that we've seen with Loki and Thor, mm-hmm. their bitterness doesn't really exist until Loki gets older. Yeah, and when he, di- I think he when he discovered he was adopted, but. And he's actually a frost giant. Yep. Yeah. So I think. Like, so a, I a think lot like of the loneliness that comes with it is is or sorry rather the the Lokiness of it comes from the loneliness and the tragic thing about Kid Loki is that like he was kind of the the cause of his loneliness. He didn't have a brother and it's his fault. Yeah. So tear. I really hope that that's something that they actually explore because. There's a lot of potential with the other Lokis, and as the show goes on, I would love to see them really go into their stories. Mm-hmm. Okay, on to brighter things. Uh, have you noticed those weird quail people, like in those quail birds? Yeah, did they in the come void? up with a name for those or no? They're just birds. I mean, let's put. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be brutally honest. They're kind of cuter than porgs. They are. And they're not. They didn't shove them in front of the camera the whole time, so that's pretty good. And the, and according to, to and they look delicious <laughs> in that one scene where they roasted one of the void quails. <laughs> and and alligator look, Loki likes looking at it like yum dinner. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So let's see what I'll else. Loki for president. Oh, oh yes. my God! Loki for president, yes. That was that. I, I love is... the original series when it first uh, when it first was released. Uh, I think in 2018 it came out. I need to go back and read it. I totally miss. It. I know you loved it. It's just this great series where Loki's like, you know what? I'm gonna try to become a politician, and Loki as a politician is perfect because Loki. <laughs> yep. So he tries well, he to lied, cheat himself so into the really office. Good. But he, he lied, manip- cheat, and steal. Yep. He's like, he got my vote. And then he manipulates people into thinking, oh, I'm the victim here. I'm the good person. And there's a whole minute in the book you're like, well, maybe Loki's out to do the right thing here. Uh, I don't want to completely spoil how it ends, but it's just got a very satisfying ending. And at the same time, it's so typical of his character, just how it plays out. And it's just, just a fun read. So seeing him show up in the, this episode as the Loki that's trying to uh, eliminate the other Lokis that are in hiding is just perfect when they open up that hatch. And also, when I saw the hatch, all I could think of is Lost. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Yeah, people thought that that President Loki was going to be like our 2012 Loki, but turns out he was a variant mm-hmm. Among other variants of Loki's, which looks like the cast of Mad Max. Yeah, they marketed it as if that was the the main Loki from the show, which is why it's an interesting bait and switch for Marvel to be like, oh, he's actually only in the episode for what 
maybe two to five minutes at most. And speaking <laughs> of this one, and speaking of one particular, Gator Loki's like, I'm gonna eat that hand. I like That's you for being president. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, definitely a reference to Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, I just realized this until now because I'm, you know, I'm the Disney nerd. And I didn't realize until now that this is a Captain Hook reference. Oh, I, oh my God. That totally makes sense. Because if you, if you heard, there's this, there's this like direct to DVD uh, movie called Tinkerbell and the Pirate Fairy where Tom Hiddleston plays a very young Captain Hook. And I think it shows, like, the origin of how he lost his hand, I believe. I, it's been, like, a bazillion years. So, Spoilers. great Captain Hook reference. Crocodile oh, eats his is, hand. Is <laughs> what? I said, spoilers, Crocodile eats his hand. <laughs> and then that, and that kind of, and that little biting hand incident led to, like, the all-out Loki brawl. Yeah, I'm I'm just glad that um um Gator Loki survived that. And it was also interesting to see um as the betrayals were starting to kick off, um like it, as a result of, you know, you know, our, our Loki is is kind of taken taken in how all these other variant Lokis are they how they see themselves and how they interact with each other and really uh this penultimate episode kind of goes to to serve like getting at the heart of like what makes Loki a Loki and mm-hmm. like is there a defining characteristic and you know what is it is it truly they, they even talk about themselves is it a god of uh, being an outcast is it is it loneliness is it um you know is it mischief you know what is it what makes them them and um as you know Loki kind of comes face to face um as he did in in the previous episode with that time loop, he he sees like the worst of himself, and he kind of sees like what it is that's holding him back uh, yeah, as they're uh, betraying each other. Yeah, and during that uh, moment, it's kind of a throwback to the first episode when we first saw the different variants of Loki, because literally half of them that were on the monitor we actually see in this episode. Yeah, it's interesting to see that evolution because. In earlier episodes, uh, Loki seems to be obsessed with this uh, notion of proving that he is uh, the superior one. And it's something that uh, Mobius calls out and he even tries to exploit. But further and further we get on in the series, it seems like he's caring about that less and less. But another cool thing uh, about this, and you know, there are so many cool different versions of Loki. It's it's surprising that we haven't talked about uh, you know the unsung or should be very sung hero classic Loki, who seems to be an extremely talented sorcerer and mm-hmm. is able to do some some feats of sorcery that are so much more advanced than the other ones. Like um, he he's able to just like create like portals for transporting people. And he even said that he created this um, this version of himself that, that fooled Thanos into thinking that you know he killed him. Yep. And like for me, that becomes the key, that kind of becomes like the key moment to drive the episode in terms of his character 
and what it motivates him to do as the episode proceeds. But um, I, I want to touch on that real quick because that scene, like Richard Grant's already a fantastic actor, but it was great to see them showcase that in that particular scene because he you you realize he escaped to he escaped to another planet, and the sad thing is the only reason that he got taken by the two VA was because he was lonely and he was looking for his brother. Yeah, well, as soon as he left the planet, that's when they they grabbed him. And that kind of. And that kind of is like, yeah, because, like you said, you mentioned that the because, yeah, you mentioned about, like, classic Loki. And it also furthers that whole dialogue where anytime a Loki tries to be better, a TVA takes takes them away. It kind of further proves my point that the TVA wants this narrative of a Loki be always being the villain, always being the outcast it's in someone else's is- story. It's definitely a very low-key point. <laughs> but I'm bumped. And also, I just love that scene. I just love that uh, low-key brawl scene, like Loki grabbing alligator Loki, like it's his familiar or her pet or baby. And Loki and our Loki tries to tiptoe out of the situations, and like he was, he's just annoyed <laughs> through that that one that whole scene. And then like, Mike's oh, a- these are monsters and. Uh, what what are these people and and just and like and you and we mentioned classic Loki is a pretty good sorcerer. He chants himself Kid Loki and Alligator Loki. Who, by the way, Kid Loki did, and the Alligator Loki did that whole get help routine from Thor Ragnarok. That was great. Get help! Get help! <laughs> that took a hand in the process. <laughs> Can it, oh, by the way, they, I noticed um, there's a... Oh, go ahead. And as they do get away, uh, they do finally get a chance to... Um, as classic Loki is commenting, he's he's kind of saying out loud what um, our Loki was thinking about how, you know, they're they're never going to change and they're, like, trapped in this cycle of, uh, you know, mistrust and arrogance and it's really kind of holding them back. But um, luckily, they do end up hooking back up with uh, with Mobius and with Sylvie. And which leads to a a tender little uh, moment between Sylvie and Loki. It's like watching uh, two introverts going out on a first date, and uh, they're I love faking, that meme. I saw he saw the thing. They're they're faking they're they're uh, they're faking their, their them being cold because they're fucking frost giants. I you, you know you expect Loki so will do like the reach. Like, you expect Loki to do the reach and yawn like it's so. How's it going, Sylvie? <laughs> and oh yeah, that blanket. It's like something out of the Dollar Tree. <laughs> He's like, hey, I got a blanket for us. I'm like, but y'all are frost giants. We get it. We get it, guys. <laughs> Although I do expect them to kiss because that's how the 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 uh, show is. Like tender moment. Give me kiss. Give me kiss. That's something that that kind of <laughs> that occurred to me um, as we talk about their nature as frost giants, and even seeing like classic Loki, like obviously go all out with um, his his magic abilities. Something that kind of is, is weird to me is that we've never really seen a Loki yet delve into the the power that comes with being a frost giant because in the first door you see them able to conjure um, you know weapons made out of ice and uh, 
do all sorts of, you know, cold based, you know, you know, powers. Uh, we haven't really seen that yet. I'm wondering if maybe that's something that's going to come into play later on. Funny how you mentioned how it's a cold based thing, because later on, classic Loki enchants was okay. The context classic Loki tries to distract Eliath because he likes to eat because Eliath likes to eat bigger things. Mm-hmm. And he's enchanting the, the city of Asgard, and he's doing this impression, almost an impression of Elsa's, of Elsa from from Frozen. You can, you almost could have saying "Let it go." Oh, I was getting Obi Wan vibes from that part. Yeah, me too. I, I, I'm, it's, it's, it's I, I powered arms. down I'm sorry. It's so arms. I can die and become greater on the other side. Oh, by the way, in that in that uh, in that Eliath scene, uh, where where did where did Kid Loki get that remote? Because I saw a remote in there. He found it. Just Honestly, like he with all found the crap the on that, Honestly, with all the crap on that planet, that actually sounds kind of legit. If anything, it's a Deus Ex mocking that thing and leave it at that. <laughs> I'm, yep. I'm kind of surprised we didn't see like a crossover of like a Loki and an Iron Man. Mm. I, Could you imagine a Loki Iron Man? I'm not sure because Loki is very is very um, magic based and Iron Man is very tech based, but that is could be a possibility. I could totally yeah, see. I mean, there is talk about there, being there like is, a tech savvy uh, Loki. There's bicyclist Loki, so <laughs> why not? Just I I want to see that just because it's basically just a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um. As as they do end up um, um, reconnecting with with Mobius and, and Sylvie, um, there there's a nice little moment because um, Sylvie came back with uh, Ravona's tempad mm-hmm. and is going to let them escape. And um, Mobius and and Loki have their little bro hug. Aww. And, and, and which is Loki basically the is longest hug up. I yeah MCU he's starting history. to power up his his friendship meter. That part hit me hard. I was like, stupid emotions, why you gotta do this to me? Yep. And and that and and that moment Loki found his first friend. <laughs> his his heart grew one size more that day. Loki, friendship is magic. Ew, my heart uh, is shrunk one. And Mobius well, <laughs> goes as far Mobius goes so far as to uh, even apologize to Sylvie and, and tell and tell her that um She's his favorite Loki, mm. even as he's hugging, you know, our Loki. Mm. I I love that part. It's, it's like yes, because the idea of Mo, of Mobius not being slightly snarky would be kind of disappointing. And then in that scene, you see like Kid Loki, classic Loki, and Alligator Loki parted ways. See you later, Alligator Loki. No. God damn it. <laughs> and then, oh yeah, and when Mobius like left, left the the void th- via Tempat Tempat Psychic Pokedex Nintendo DS Pokemon. Thing, yeah. Oh. He said he's he mentioned that he's planning to burn the TV to the ground, which is a callback of what Loki said in the first episode. Hmm. 
Oh, you forgot to mention that uh, when, Kid, when Kid Loki took off, he gave uh, Loki, our Loki uh, from 2012 uh, a certain sword from the Kid Loki series. I, should, I did not pick up on that. Yeah, that sword was actually from the Kid Loki uh, storyline. It was actually a pretty important story uh, uh, item. I seriously need to read more more of the Loki more of the Loki series that they did. Yeah, it was like a nice uh, golden uh, flaming sword that Loki would try to use to distract Elias, what uh, which which actually didn't work too well, and Elias really. As they're going through with the plan, that uh, Sylvia wants to try to enchant Elias because she has this theory that he's really just, you know, the guard dog of whoever is behind everything and whoever is residing in that castle. And Elias, you know, pretty much he, he practically ignores Loki and, and really, you know, keys on Sylvie. And, would, you know, obviously, which uh, led to uh, classic Loki pulling that uh, Elsa move and... I'm, I'm now I I just know God damn it there's probably some kind of mashup with Let It Go. Um, I'm not gonna find it, but I'm really gonna. I will. It if somebody <laughs> if somebody finds it and shares it to me, I'm gonna be like, no, how dare you make me realize this exists? Michael, you just gotta let it go, man. By the way, can you talk? Can we talk about what Loki's original plan is? Oh to yeah, to defeat just... Elias. <laughs> He he wanted to uh well, what was it again? He wanted to wait while it was feeding and then just you know, sneak up behind it and I don't know stab it or something. <laughs> it sounds like something out of like if if the Muppets is like in the void and it's like maybe we can go around the back. Like what do you mean the back? It's a it's a cloud monster. Hey come on man, if they could find a way in the Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, we could find a way here. God damn it. Yeah. It's, it's like a parallax galactus weird thing, and and uh, I I'm not too familiar with uh, the character, and it's weird that it is like it is a a character, but apparently uh, Elias in the comic books is uh, much more articulate and has like a personality. So the fact that this is something that's it's kind of been tamed by um you know the one who was residing in the castle. Um, it, and it's it, not it a princess. makes you curious about whether or not we see um, that version of Elias like down the road and how um, that comes to be, because you can definitely um, get the sense that with the uh, uh, with the Loki series granted another uh, another season that we're going to see, you know, some cyclical, um, you know, plot points being explored. So it makes you wonder, like, hey, are you going to start to see it's almost going to be like a like a lost situation where you're like okay you're at this certain point and then we're gonna divert and like go back and go forward and see like how that affected everything hmm. let's see um hope all they, by the way do you know where we where b15 is in this episode he, she's in a prison closet <laughs> and hanging out in a closet and being yeah. uh, it's a good thing she survived scolded. that um you know, bonk on the head, choreographed a uh, little side fight. Yeah, she's basically being scolded by uh, Renslayer for like, why did you betray us? Like, uh, yeah, there's betrayed. like no real good reason why like she she didn't get pruned. I'm like, um, the plot be, sets be up because because shut up. 
Maybe season two will explain that plot hole. Maybe. Yeah. But I, I really, I really enjoyed this actress in Lovecraft Country, and I'm, I'm glad that they kept her alive. That's cool, at least, yeah. But, um, it, it the, the power of friendship, as, um, um, as Sylvie teaches Loki to enchant things by osmosis, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, they go after Elias, and they are able to break its will and enchant it. It proves that teamwork makes the dream work. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, by they the way, going have, back to... Have, go, go ahead. They definitely had like a Guardians of the Galaxy moment, you know. They're just like joining hands and like, ah, that, that, that did it. Like, I've never done this before, but we're going to do it. But there is um, a part, which is uh, pretty cool, where, you know, after... Our Loki sees classic Loki make that sacrifice, and Sylvie's kind of like, "How how is he doing that?" And he says to her, and the line is so simple, but it's so powerful. He says, "I think we're stronger than we know," and uh, that's uh, that could be like one of the the key lines to the series, I think, because it's really like the strength to break out of your own um, cycles and the strength to do you know, what you think is impossible. I'm going to kind of go off character here for this series and make a reference to another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you made out with your sister, man! <laughs> oh. But oh it's actually oh, okay. another Loki. <laughs> so. yeah, I'm weird about the Loki-Sylvie romance because they're basically the same person, yet Sylvie is a completely different person that it's not as weird if they kiss, but, yeah. It's a female uh, Loki. It's the end of the day. You made out with your variant, man. <laughs> oh my god, this is in the room. I know wow. I hate Zero Trip, but I had to make a Euro Trip reference. By the way, that one, the classic... I don't hate that, the I don't trip. Know. I just don't like it as much as Dan, so by Dan's logic, I hate it. You, you told me you hated the movie. What's weird, though, about Eurotrip is, like, uh, I haven't really seen, like, that the, the main actor, like, in anything else. Yeah, I, I looked at his career afterwards. He went downhill quick. Yeah, uh, But I've, I've definitely seen, like, pretty much, like, everybody else. Like, in a yeah, bunch everybody of else things. is still pretty active, but the main actor uh, that plays Scott... His career kind of died a few years after because he took a lot of bomb movies after this that didn't Ooh. do too well. That's, that's too bad. Is he um, still days of, He did Days of Our Lives back in 2009. Bringing it, you know what? You know what's so great though about Eurotrip mm. is that hmm. fucking Matt Damon makes a cameo. Scotty doesn't Loki. know. Scotty yep. doesn't know. He's the freaking singer of the band. <laughs> By the way, you know what's really sad? Um, before we get back to before we wrap episode five, I got to touch on this. The one I, I was like, I'm curious now, and I looked it up, and it's like, oh, he was in the Peaceful Warrior. That's a pretty good movie. I wonder why that movie didn't get a big push. Oh, it's by Victor Salva. That's why. Oh, By the way, that whole like uh, going back to uh, the thing. You know, you, that cl- with the classic Loki scene, 
Does anyone hear like "Ride of the Valkyries" in the background when you listen when you're watching Absolutely. that scene? Absolutely, yes. It's like a very slowed down version of it, but yes, it's a very low key version of "Ride of the Valkyries." Womp, ah. womp, womp. We went back to our <laughs> old joke. <laughs> I know, but this time it's for it's from me. Anyway, so I like that scene with classic Loki because he found his own glorious. Glorious purpose. Glorious purpose is inside of all of us all this time. And he and he and he went down in a blaze of glory, a laughing blaze of glory. I remember when I went down in a blaze of glory. That's bad. Yeah, he. That's what I'm saying. It was an Obi Wan moment when he powered down like the. He's like, I didn't. Want, he could have easily kept going, but it's like, you know what? I think I'm happy now. It's time to go. My people need me. It was seriously such a great character moment because it's because it's the one thing that you could tell that he was just trying to genuine trying to do genuine genuinely do good after everything that he he's seen everything that other knowing what other Loki's have done and just like and even if this is his only appearance on the show while I'd love to see him come back if this is his only appearance they really did a good arc within a single episode which by itself is really impressive. It says a lot when there's a few, when more than once, like, like I don't want to say bit part, bit character, stole the show. Yeah. Like, you get yourself, like, you know, at least to be generous, five of them who, like, stole the show from our main people. I think it just says and, a lot about the cast as well, you know? Yeah. Kudos to the up, uh, whoever is in charge or the team who's in charge. Yep. Let's see. All right. So let's see. Oh, after they defeat Eliath, they saw the castle. A few commenters said that it was, it, it looks like either Laveria, Arkham, Oz, the Quantum Realm. Dr. Doom's castle. <laughs> yeah, Laveria. La, was it Laveria? Laveria. Laveria. Yeah, okay. I, I definitely had thrown out the idea. Yeah, because um, Kang is slated to appear in uh, Ant Man and Wasp: Quantum Mania. That the TVA was based um, in the quantum realm because I, I figured that you know because it's kind of like almost like a nexus to all the different realities as you know the Avengers were able to travel through space and time, and um, it, it made me think that that the Infinity Stones that they, they gathered were just like so small that they just weren't working. Um, so that was a theory that I had about it, but, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool to see, um, what becomes known as the, the Citadel and it's like ominously looming oh, over them as they've changed, they've tamed Eliath and it's, uh, gets you so hyped for the finale. Oh yeah. Can we talk about, uh, alligator Loki? I know, I know. I'm a big fan of this little reptile. Can we talk about his Nexus event? Why he yes. was in the void in the first place? I honestly don't remember his next event. Oh, he ate the the wrong the the wrong cat, like the wrong neighbor's cat or something. I don't know. I and feel that, like he was mocking happy. him more than anything when yeah. uh, him and the mighty boastful Loki. Boastful Loki. I keep getting them confused. Oh, uh, yeah. The lo- Boastful Loki. It seemed like a slight more than an actual that's how it played out type thing. 
Well, be it as it may, because people are having like um, theories, like it, like alligator Loki wants to wants to eat goose because he has the tesseract, but you know it's a plan gone wrong, and the TVA hmm. took 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 the lizard, the 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 reptile. Sorry, lizard reptile. I don't know animals. <laughs> it's it's got four legs. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. It's got four legs and it's stompy. <laughs> I like how he thinks with his stomach. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> and uh, one the last thing. I have to get this off my chest. Mobius, Mobius loves all the Lokis. He loves Loki, loves Sylvie. He's a big fan. <laughs> big. Well, that's my favorite thropple. Well, Mobius is just a good dude, man. And I, I, I still love the name, the, the fact that his... Full name is Mobius M. Mobius. Loki or Sylvie will probably say, hey, you need a new last name? Wink, wink. Because I have, you can have mine. <laughs> womp, womp. That's, that's, yes, lo- that's, that's, lo- that's Loki yeah. after dark. Hi, I'm Sandra. I'm the, I'm the, sh- I'm the one who uh, ships everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I hear you guys just go off in your shipping corner, but there's like 85 people over there. Don't worry, you'll find a way. <laughs> you'll hit a rock. <laughs> the odds are forever in your favor. And that's it. Anyone has anything to add? Last last words? Honestly? Like, we hit everything. Like, But, um... um like, like, I, like I've said before in our previous conversations, this episode... It shows it accomplishes something really difficult because it's really as as we found a recent, especially in um, a lot of a lot of fandom lately, it's really hard to find that balance of getting those that fan service, those Easter eggs, and actually finding a way to balance up with story and character. And mm-hmm. most of the time, that tends to fail. And yeah, sometimes it's it just it's like pant like they're pandering. I mean, Rise of Skywalker. <clears throat> yep. Yep. But the fact that they nailed it here, it's that's pretty damn impressive. And because of that, while it's not a perfect episode, I'm definitely giving this four and a half stars because they they hit it like they got it straight up. Sandra, me? Oh, uh, I would get. Oh yeah. This is like Shaz Kiss, yes, because like it's like you like you said, Ian, this could be easily turned into like all these references and Easter eggs. This could easily be like lore porn, you know, all the lore that only a fan could know, but it's kind of irrelevant to the plot. I mean, it's very relevant to, to like in the grand scheme of things, like it's a void. You get all this other stuff is there. It's the it's the dumpster. <laughs> But it is amazing. They do it so well. The humor is ama- is also amazing. It's like it's it's Loki. You expect chaos. You expect all this gawk. There's all this wildness going on, especially in the most most chaotic place, which is the void. So, but I also like the like the low down the the low moments with with Loki and Sylvie with with Loki and all the Lokis, Loki and Mobius. It was amazing. Even the ones that takes place in the TVA, that's amazing. So 4.5 out of 5. 
Dan, Michael? I would give it a four out of five. Why is that? Uh, it was a pretty good episode. There's just a few things I would have liked them to flesh out a little bit in the episode. I'm not saying it's a bad episode because I give it a four. I just, uh, as far as things have played out, I still feel a lot of my issues with uh, fleshing out certain things. Uh, I, we definitely focused on more of the Easter eggs here than the actual story. Uh, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to have Easter eggs, but I do feel that um, we should have we could have used some of those moments in between to kind of flesh out some characters a little bit here. Uh, still pretty good though. That's why I still give it four out of five. So yeah. it's definitely uh, one of my favorites. And what about you, Michael? Well, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and agree with uh, Ian and Sander here. I'm going to have to give it a, a 4.5 out of 5. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm usually pretty conservative with my reviews, but uh, if there is an episode where you have to go balls out with the the camp, the cameos and the, and the Easter eggs and all that good stuff, like this was definitely it. Um. The, the performances, uh, especially, uh, I want to say, from Richard E. Grant as classic Loki were, were really strong. Um, it, it, this could have been something that would have been so, so very easy to get wrong. And they got it really, really right because they had to introduce all these different variant Lokis and kind of give them all their own like little twist. And at the same time, make it so that it's relevant to everything that's going on and, you know, give them uh, their nice little moments. And um, uh, the fact that we got fucking Throg uh, puts it up there. Like they're just, they're, 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 they're saying, fuck it, we're, we're going to do it and you're going to like it. And I do. I feel like in a way, they, like they played their hand really well. They knew that they had the last episode coming up. And that episode was really one where they would have to wrap up all the threads for the season. And instead of trying to put everything into that episode, they kind of got it all out of their system, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of, it was kind of like the opposite of um, the penultimate episode that we got for uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Because in Falcon and Winter Soldier, you you, you definitely it, Falcon and Winter Soldier that penultimate episode felt like a quintessential penultimate episode. Like, it was pretty, you know, contained. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of effects-heavy things that went down. And then you can really tell that they were, like, saving all their craziness and all the action for the finale. But this was, like, so um, insane with what they did. It, was, it really made you curious. Like, like holy shit, there's, like, there's more? I think like, I'm, I can't remember the Falcon, the Winter Soldier maintained basically the same production, the same creative team for every episode. Um, I believe it did, but I can't remember at the top of my head. But I know what, what's up. I, I'm just thinking like if it did, I, I think the pandemic kind of halted it just just a bit. Yeah, because this felt very consistent, which is so funny because one of the episodes, episode three, was not by the main writer of the show. But this, re- but maybe it was having the same director on every single episode, 
that really kind of carried that specific tone and made it feel like one really strong narrative over this. Like, uh, when I finished the season, um, I... I I told I told Jen you know I would actually watch this whole thing I would go in theaters and just watch this as one series in theaters afterwards and I think it's because that consistent tone and consistent style really does have that film narrative if that makes sense yeah all right so with that if you guys are ready uh, we will move on to the final episode of season one of Loki for all time always. So with that, who would like to start? Oh, yes. The Marvel logo changes instead of like the big, the big uh, instrumental music. You get yourself the dialogue from various Avengers. Then it changes to where you hear quotes from real life people, such as these are the good. These are the names I can actually pronounce. (laughs) Nensa Mandela, Maya Angelou, Neil Armstrong, Greta Thunberg. And many, many more. I, so what do you guys think about the, the, the opening? I really loved it. It threw me off when I first saw because I was like, is this the new Marvel logo we're doing? Cause I was like, this seems a little crowded. And then as I realized what we're doing and we're kind of getting what could be called our contact moment for those who remember the opening of the movie Contact, um, I was like, okay, that's genius because we are seeing our history, we're seeing these alternate real-life histories kind of merging together, and then it it carries through the entire theme of the show, which I thought was a really smart way to open it. So, I mean, I, I jumped a little. What do you guys think of that Miss Minutes making that little weird look on her face like, Hi! Like, I didn't bugging. expect it, but it kind of continues that whole idea that... Um, she is grows continuously and subtly more malicious as the show goes on. And it's, and something that's kind of um that, that really makes you wonder what the hell is up with her is the fact that it it seems like a really big deal to be able to uh, traverse from the void all, all the way back to the TVA and to you know potentially whatever timeline is there. Um, because you wonder, like, hey, is it the fact that she's able to be wherever a tempad is, but, you know, there there isn't one there? Um, is she just, like, simultaneously, you know, existing everywhere, or what the hell is her deal? But all I know is, like, one of the funniest uh, memes that came out of this was it's just, like, a simple, like, Miss Minutes and, like, you know, holding a gun up. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen that one. <laughs> Yeah, I seen that one. I mean, I mean, throughout the series uh, season, she gone from her personality gone from bubbles from Powerpuff Girls to crazy Twilight Sparkle from My Little Pony. But the, the another thing that's interesting about her though is um when uh, in the early episode, I think it was like episode two, when Loki's mm-hmm. trying to like swat her, she kind of she she goes away. She's like she runs away from it, and there is that that part where they're uh, Sylvie and Loki. Are, are threatening her because you have to wonder like what would happen if they actually made contact because she says that she's kind of kind of sort of both alive and and not it kind of it there's there's also this fan comic where uh you know they saw they you know Loki and Sylvie saw Miss Minutes popping out and then they and I think uh and they began to like 
to slice, slice her with her da- with her daggers. And Miss Miss just does does this really great like anime this thing with anime where the two parts are like pulled together like as if it's like a DBZ thing. And oh yeah, in this scene, uh, Miss Minutes is doing like a neat deal or no deal with uh, Loki and Sylvie. Yeah, she's she's throwing out these um, concepts to Loki and to Sylvie, being like, "Oh, do you want the Infinity Stones? You can have them. Do you want to kill Thanos? Done." Like the, the way that she's casually throwing out these scenarios. Uh, really gives you a sense of, of scope and, and power of, of whoever it is uh, behind the scenes and what they're capable of. And, and pretty soon, go ahead, Ian, sorry. And in a, in a way, I was going to say, uh, in a way, it seems like um, that someone is communicating through uh, Miss Minutes. And we have to wonder if Miss Minutes is its own sentient being or if it's a voice for He Who Remains. She's she's still sus, as the young kids would say it. We did kind of miss all the voices throughout the opening that were part of that initial opening outside of just contact. Yeah, because we mentioned Greta Thunberg, Greta Thunberg, but yeah, there was Neil Armstrong, Melala, uh, Yusuf Sai, I can't remember, Uh, Nelson Mandela, Maya Angelou, Carl Sagan. All these big names, and it makes and it does make sense in a way because when you consider the scope of the show and the focus of it, um, you have people who are specifically in that idea of going outside of our world or having ideas that are so open and so ahead of their time that people won't really appreciate them as much till like years later. Not to mention the music that that was prominent throughout human history. They also did like for Elise Swan Link. Uh, from Tchaikovsky, all that was playing during the beginning. Oh, yeah, for, uh, for Elise? Yeah, for Elise, uh, Swan Lake, there were some other ones that were playing as well during that opening. You know, I, I don't know offhand, but I wouldn't be surprised because I know they're, um, when they do um, send out probes uh, that are potentially there to be interacted with by alien life forms, I know they include bits of music, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are a lot of parallels between what they played at the beginning of the episode and um and what's included in in those parcels speaking of music uh the music was the music was that was featured and you can look up the wikipedia for this episode it's a the song that was featured in this episode was called it's it's been a long long it's been a very it's been a long long time but Harry so, James fans. Yeah, so yeah, so the so the and that that song as as of this episode has been appeared three times in the in the MCU's history. First first it was in Winter Soldier, then it was for Endgame, and now this yeah. episode. And by the way, if you want to look up, uh, uh, it's been a long, long time. Go on YouTube. It's by it's by Harry Harry James, and vocals by Kitty Collin. It is amazing. It's it's kind of kind of nice, <laughs> kind of a nice uh love song. Yeah, 
and it may, and it kind of makes you wonder. I I know it's reaching, but it kind of makes you wonder if there is something that's connecting these and a specific reason that this song does take does touch on different moments within the Marvel universe. Yeah, because I know like the first, in Winter Soldier, it was just like some like some music to drown out the conversation between uh, Nick Fury and Steve Rogers. The set. And the second time, it was just a dance between Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter. And now this is, I think they're just playing it very, it was in the, in, it was in the intro as opposed to the outro. And I feel like it was played, it was doing it very ironically in some ways, considering the title and, and the other two previous uses. Yeah. So um, after Miss Minutes makes those uh, proposals to Loki and Sylvie, uh, we we get the sense that maybe because uh, th- there was a moment before Loki and Sylvie entered where they kind of like were considering their situation, and I I've, I'm not sure maybe I'm I'm alone and feeling like uh, Loki might have considered the proposals for a minute, um, but it, it was very fleeting. And they kind of become resolved, and they're just like, you know what? Nope, we've we've come this far. But before they get a chance to meet the the man behind the curtain, it flashes mm-hmm. back to TVA and um, with Ravona, who was awaiting uh, these supposed files um, from Miss Minutes uh, about the the end of time, uh, or rather the beginning of time. Whoever created the TVA, and um, you know, by the way, it kind of like blew a hole in one of my theories that it was going to be Ravona all along because I thought maybe she was manipulating everything just so that she could get answers as to, you know, what's been this driving force in in her life. But Miss um, Menace appears and she's like, oh, here's this stuff instead. And then she has uh, an encounter with Mobius as things are quickly going to shit at the TVA. And it looks like he's um, he's unleashed B-15, and B-15 is uh, leading the other Minutemen on a merry little chase. And mm-hmm. we finally figure out um, what the significance was of that pen from, um, I think it was like a FDR high school. Hmm. See, I didn't, I didn't actually remember, I didn't remember that particular moment. Uh, what, so what, what was it again? Well, it turns out that she was, um, she's a variant of a principal of that school. Oh my God! So, yeah, uh, yeah. B fifteen led the the Minutemen to the hunt uh, to uh, that school, and then they're kind of like a. She, she the whole point of it was that they could see that they are in fact variants. Hmm. And unfortunately. Mobius and Ravona have this encounter where Mobius quickly gets his ass handed to him and um, is, is staring down the, the barrel of a, a pruning stick, which is a very strange sen- sentence to say out loud. But <laughs> um, that's what happens. And, and Ravona's, Ravona's kind of just basically like, you know what? Toodles. I'm off. I'm going on vacation. <laughs> so... With that, who wants to tackle this this huge um, introduction of, me. of the character? 
Okay, so so they wait so they waited to So what shows up on the elevator? It is he who remains and he who remains is it's not just Shane. some guy. Uh yes, a a black CEO. It's Jonathan Majors all along. Which oddly enough was foreshadowed in yeah. episode four. And by the way, that elevator has a is pretty sweet. It has a couch and everything. I want, to, I want an elevator with a couch. Good old Immortus. Yep. yep. And um, I know with I know Dan, um, you, Michael, all of us initially, we all assumed this was Kane. And then after do, after like going back to Avengers Forever and doing a little more digging, I'm like, holy crap, this isn't Kane at all. This is this is like you said, Immortus. The one King variant who would be 100% honest with you. Nathaniel Richards. Yep, yep. Yeah, and it was um, so nice to see another, uh, you know, even though, you know, we had already heard and that Jonathan Majors is already cast uh, for Quantum Mania, there was really no guarantee that he was going to show up. I mean, after everybody was, you know, thinking, you know, Mephisto was going to show up at some point during WandaVision or some some other kind of craziness. Maybe Doctor Strange is going to show by or show up and, you know, um, we, we, we might have convinced ourselves that, you know, okay, it's it's not going to happen. They're just going to maybe tease it and then they'll show him in a movie because that's, you know, it's, it's just a show. But no, there he is, John the Majors and all of his uh, quirky glory. This is a, a very interesting performance and... Honestly, it it took a minute for it to grow on me and to see where like where he was coming from with the character, but I ended up really enjoying this take. Me, who's who has a galaxy brain like no other, I didn't know he was Kang until he said this line. I've been called many things. Some call me a ruler, a conqueror, a jerk, and once he said conqueror, I was like, what? What? It's like. Everyone, it's like I'm like with everyone who's like so excited, foaming at the mouth, like, oh my goodness, it is true, it is true, what they say, theory confirmed. Although, although you know, not exactly Kang per se, just a variation. Oh, uh, what I was gonna say is, um, I just love the fact that he gives this whole uh, not only Wizard of Oz survive. But something that I saw that a lot of people are starting to see the parallels for is Willy Wonka, mm-hmm. including doing even the hand gesture where he puts his hand on it on his uh, mouth kind of the same way. Like there's actually a parallel with them both uh, doing that same thing while he's in there listen, talking to the Lokis. It's just like, man, just these references are great. Yeah. Regarding this, regarding this episode as a whole, like in a way, it really is a good part of the episode. is 30 minutes of exposition, and it really comes down to performance. It really comes down to uh, the three. It really comes down to the three main actors in the show at this point, because that's something that can be easily be an absolute mess, or it could be a slog. And the thing I really enjoyed about this episode, I didn't notice how mu- how long this conversation went. Until it was actually over, which I think speaks to how compelling the performance in this overall are. But um, 
Yeah, like I was saying, the performances really do drive this episode, and it's just very fortunate that we have such a strong cast to do so. But um, really looking at it as as we go on with this episode, we realize, or at least I realized, how much of an impact this is going to have on the MCU as a whole, which is something that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, outside of introducing a new Captain America who would show up in the later movies, that's really affecting one movie. And the thing I loved about this episode is that very quickly you see that we are really setting up the events of several movies in the Marvel Universe and very much this... um, uh, this the phase four as a whole. What do you all think? Well, it really goes to show that um, this was their, their their crux point. Really, we um, we we really thought it was going to be uh, WandaVision. Um, it turns out that that was kind of just a precursor to what they were doing here. Uh, a fun fact, though, um, somebody I guess. Um, went through the trouble of taking a look at the the finale for WandaVision and the finale for Loki and they found out that they, you know, matched up in similar ways in the way that um that uh he who remains was reacting and the timing of it and it kind of synced up um a bit to Wanda coming into her own as uh, the Scarlet Witch but um before we get into like the too 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 far deep into it, because I'm I'm gonna really geek out about it. Um, like Ian was saying, this was really kind of like a exposition heavy episode, but it was it was one where you couldn't really be upset about it because this was the setup for all the the answers that we so desperately wanted to get, and it was it was kind of like 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 the opposite of what you would expect. Um, instead of getting all this, you know, action, we get all answers instead. And like, uh, like Dan was saying, it was really interesting to see Jonathan Majors, um, bring across this performance that was, it was similar in ways. It's this, because he brought up Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. So with that, there's definitely some similarities there because you get that sense of, uh, that sense, the same sense of loneliness. And also that same sense of, um, like, I've accomplished something so great, and you guys aren't really appreciating it the way that you should. And that, also, that's, so much of that is packed into that performance. We also share pretty good stylists, I would say. Okay. Uh, so, yes, I... I agree. It's a vi- it's a very dialogue heavy episode, and it's kind of funny that this is a season finale because usually with you know finales, it's always this is just me seeing many Marvel movies and the last and the previous two MCU miniseries is that it's usually like the big shoot 'em up, beat 'em up episode, but this is like. Yes, we do see Loki and Sylvie battling it out, but it's not as, like, lasers about or punch kick to the wall. This is, it's, it's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, it's a, I lost for It's a very non-Marvel, Marvel show, and I think that's a really good sign. Uh, Yes, and it's refreshing. I want, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying I want more of it, but it is. 
it's good to mix it up because even even seeing it seeing the shoot 'em up beat 'em up last act is kind of tiring after I don't know ten years. Yeah. It's kind of funny you say that, Sandra. Uh, I was going to actually mention there's actually an alternate ending to the show. Uh, they they actually changed all the way up to like I think a month before the show actually aired, oh. uh, where it was literally an entire episode of just talking, and Kane doesn't even show up till the end of the episode of the original ending. Like he shows up just you, you don't even well sorry not Kane and Mortis sorry mm-hmm. I keep doing that um, but yeah. And Mortis doesn't even show up till the very end credits, and the entire episode is dealing with the different offers that Mince Minute has for them, uh, different realities that they could actually have. Uh, there's actually some footage if you look up, uh, if you look online, where it shows some of the alternate scenes that could have happened that they decided to cut out to do this specific version where they're just talking with uh, and Mortis. Uh, so it's definitely interesting to see. Uh, what would have happened in that one? Uh, because there's a little bit more of a fight scene between uh, Loki and Sylvie during that one as well. So, mm-hmm. but otherwise, it's just I, those different just offers. Like, Go ahead. Like, I just like how Jonathan Major's character is just so captivated about like the interact, like the interaction, and and it gives like. Like you said, Dan, it gives all Willy Wonka vibes. Like, this is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, and okay. um, like we're talking about it. It, it is very strange because um, in, in this era where we're kind of uh, taking a look at the differences between Lokis and the differences between how these uh, the big two kind of handle different things and, and the way that we're speaking about it in terms of like um, we tend to think about uh, – DC going big with like the action and stuff, but uh, and we're talking about oh this is like non a Marvel one because it's avoiding the action. So I thought that that's a little bit uh, that's a little bit fun to me to think that we're we're at that point, but and and we're at this point where we do get an action sequence, but it's like it's the one that we don't want to see. It's uh, Loki versus Sylvie, and uh, before all that goes down though, speaking of all the the offers that are being made. Um, he who remains actually does make that offer to them. He's kind of like, even like, Hey, you can run the TVA if you want to, I'll give you the TVA and you can run it how you want to. You can tell them everybody that they're variants. Like you, you can have the keys, like it's yours. And it gets to the point where he's just like, they're, they're like, why? And he's like, it's basically because I'm tired. And, um, in addition to getting that, uh, that Willy Wonka vibe, there's also that sense of like, that that tired parent, that frustrated parent, who is like being confronted with their with their children, who, you know, why why didn't you want us to have a, a machete fight? And it's like mm-hmm. because I was protecting you, you goddamn child. You don't understand that everything that I've done is for your own good. Right, and then like you it and they keep. Like uh, to, trying to see if he's like got some other alternative motive. Uh, at least Sylvie does, and Loki's just going along with the ride. He's like, you know, he's got some points here. Maybe we could just settle down and you know, just run the thing. But and you kind of get that, you know, whole 
uh, inner conflict on both characters that started to see throughout the episode where she's just ready to kill him because of her tragic story. And he's just wanting to continue to hear him out and see if there's possibly an alternate way to handle the situation with that, where everybody turns out with the best option. And it's kind of interesting where Loki came from, from the first episode. I completely agree. And, um, my, my take, like uh, Michael, you definitely, you mentioned the theme of the parent of the upset parent. And for me, in many ways, it's the idea that even a God can become tired. And it's the idea of when, when you, no matter how large the playing field you have, there is going to be a point of complacency and it, it does ring of almost tragedy. Cause it's like, I'm giving you everything. I'm being direct with you and your own paranoia, your own suspicions are throwing that away. There's so much that when the key is handed to you, you, throw, you judge, you judge the key. Also it's, um, feels like it's the, there's goes the theme of the status quo versus chaos because, his his thing is like, hey, you can take my place and we can just you can be that you can be my C, you can be CEO. I'm OK. As opposed to, OK, if I die that and no one will take my place, then there's going to be, you know, you're unleashing the multiverse. But Sylvie doesn't want that because because what happened to her. So but Loki, on the other hand, is is saying like, hey, we can rise above this. And and what? Meanwhile, uh, he who remains saying has this great little little retort like, "Grow up! We're all villains here. This is not basically saying this is not about you." And one more thing: Can does anyone see the hidden Mickey in that one in the in that's in that scene? Yeah, there's a hidden Mickey. A really? hidden Mickey. Wait, yeah. where is it? It's a uh, it's the three like little circles behind uh like behind uh he who remains. Oh my god, I did see that. I never even thought of it. Yeah. That's really cool. And also when it comes to and he who remains and all it started is he's found his very instinct. Everything's all nice and good until you know, a few or more variants want to mess things up and ruin the harmony. And that causes a multiversal war. Funny thing is that you know before before like the actual you know the you know the ending, people were like on Sylvie's side. They, but on the other hand, they want to believe he remains. So, so let's talk about the let's talk about other things. I this is something I specifically want to bring up. Um. Like watching watching the show, like watching this whole series of six episodes, we we see Loki's arc. We see him being that starting as that traditional Loki, that Loki who's uh, basically made of mischief, lies, revenge, and we really see Loki change and grow during the series because of everything, because of this vast world, a vast universe that or multiverse that Loki did not was not even aware of, and it's almost making not only. Does he grow because of it? But it's also almost at the same time, ironically enough, making him smaller. And I could, but at the same time, I completely understand where Sylvie's coming from. 
Sylvie didn't grow up in that world. Sylvie grew up in that multiverse all the time. She saw the variants. She was taken as a child. She saw what happened. She's been seeing this forever. And that anger coming from it, it's like her motivation makes complete sense. Because if you've constantly seen this and you've constantly, and you realize that one person is the cause of not only your life being ruined because you're not the right one, but the life of so, lives of so many others, what would you do? It's definitely that um, that, that moral question that, that's kind of leaving us with is like who was right. Um, Both of them were, but uh, it it does really lend to Sylvie's motivation in the way that she she never really got to have the same experiences as as our Loki, as I think we had previously discussed this, but. This Loki really gets put through the ringer, and he gets put through basically like, you know, the, the Loki that did get killed by Thanos. He gets put through like the same kind of scenarios, but in a very short amount of time. Um, And Sylvie, when you think about it, she didn't get to see all that. She didn't get to peek at her future to see her, you know, come into her own as somebody who was accepted by Thor and somebody who was, you know, arguably, you know, died a hero. And she didn't actually get to interact with all the other variant Lokis the way that, that he did. So she didn't really get to see the end result of, you know, being consumed by that by that vengeance and, and by that pride and, and, you know, kind of letting go and, and seeing what they're capable of once they finally do let go of that loneliness and that resentment and, and trying to uh, be more than that. So... It really goes to the heart of the series and like what makes you know a Loki a Loki and and who was I guess like the the truer Loki and was it was it Sylvie because she was uh, so alone and, and mistrustful and mischievous or was it you know um, you know our Loki for going against the grain and what we would expect? Um, yeah, that's definitely a key uh, thing to really look at. Uh, I also uh, appreciated uh, an even smaller thing that you know they kind of they do that whole multiversal war like he, he, the little uh, different versions of mm-hmm. uh, Immortus uh, you know one of them that looks very much like Kang etc and how how they go from you know trying to learn from each other to eventually turning on each other because eventually everybody wants power um, and. What I really like about it is it kind of has that whole nuance of uh, references to really secret wars. Because, yeah, the multiversal wars uh, is definitely what they're calling it. But this is definitely some stuff that is a big part of the secret wars storyline uh, from the comics. So it's definitely kind of interesting. And I hope that they kind of go all in on that because I would love to just see a secret wars movie uh, just completely play out. Uh where we just see how the different versions of the universe go up against each other. That, that, that definitely seems to be the way that they are leaning um, for introducing, um, you know, the X-Men, introducing all of these characters that we've been dying to see, the Fantastic Four, and, you know, now that they've introduced Kang... And, you know, Nathaniel Richards um, is supposed to be like a descendant, I believe, of, of Reed Richards. Yep. And there was, um, I believe, uh, also some kind of uh, there was a debate or rather there was like the, the records were a little bit um, vague 
when it came to uh, Amortis's and and Kang's uh, his ancestry. I think uh, there were like theories about whether or not like uh, he was a ancestor or rather a descendant of of Reed Richards or a descendant of Doom. And there's that bit where you think like, oh, are all the good ones uh, descendants of Reed, and are all the bad ones descendants of Doom? But um, they 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 have to introduce them now, and it's like uh they they've teed it up so so crazy, and the way that they did it was also reinforced by what they touched on in Endgame when mm-hmm. um when the Ancient One was talking about you know the how the timelines diverge, and when you think about it that way, and you think about Doctor Strange's ability to look at all those different universes, and you're Kind of seeing like this other side of, of how he who remains was looking at it too, because he was kind of like, there has to be this way that it plays out. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of casts like a little bit of a, I want to say like, like a sinister light almost on, on Doctor Strange as well, because he's kind of like the same way. I will say, um, seeing this because i know uh dan you and i had talked about the fact that the new season of the show is not going to come out to 2023 and i was trying to figure out why and there is a very specific reason for it um ant-man and the the wasp quantumania which comes out in february 2023 um came well they've actually credited him officially as came the conqueror now so i'm not sure if we're but um, we can accept to assume that we are seeing a variant uh, and we are seeing Kane and not the variant at this point, not Immortus, because Immortus is dead. Right. And um, it makes sense now, because you have this movie come out in February 2023, where he Kane is going to play a major role. And now that I'm thinking about it, now that I'm looking at that and the release date, now I get why that season is coming out. Because it does tie into that overall story, because you can't necessarily release a part that leads into that story and have it happen like a, and have it happen a year later. This makes sense in a way. Yeah, and they also are going to uh at that point will have introduced uh Black Knight who also plays into um the 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 quantum realm. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong unless I'm I'm thinking of Captain Britain, but you know um, the way that they did things, I mean, anything is possible. I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of like how Dan said, um, the potential of a battle world and secret wars and all that good stuff. Um, oh, dude. Eventually, we've got to see, like, you know, God Doom and uh, the Beyonders. Like, so much uh, craziness has been set up and, and unleashed. And, and it really calls back to... Um, what Sylvie said in an earlier episode, she basically said, you know, the universe is trying to break free and it manifests itself through chaos and, and people like me. And um, it makes you curious, like how they're also going to tie that into uh, WandaVision and, you know, Multiverse of Madness and how uh, Wanda is channeling all this uh, chaotic energy that should be able to create anything out of nothing and um oh my god i'm just like so looking forward to what they're gonna do with it and wow i that's, that's all i'd say because 
uh, I, I always like to think about things in terms of like from a storyteller's perspective, how difficult it can be to pull something like this off. And um, when you think about how much of a culmination that endgame was for, you know, everything that was been happening for, you know, dozens of films and you never think that, you know, they're going to find a way to top it. But now it's like there's no limit on what they're going to be able to do. They could come out with a fucking, you know, pet Avengers movie tomorrow hmm. and it would make sense. Man, if they do Aww. set up the Secret Wars thing, I'm going to just be so giddy. Now, you mentioned Secret Wars. Now, I, at first I was like, at first I didn't really understand how this would tie into the original Secret Wars. But then I started thinking of the 2015 Secret Wars and the Battle Worlds, and I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the original. Yeah, because if it was the original, that would be horrible. It's like, let's fight, because shut up, let's fight. Unless they want to do like both at the same time, so you get the original Secret Wars while the new one's going on at the same time, which would be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah they, but they I, have to fight because this guy um, in a, with a Jerry Coral. <laughs> that you're so close. <laughs> I'm saying if they did both at the same time, it would be an interesting thing. But I know the Russo brothers have talked about do, wanting to do a Secret Wars movie. This would set that up for them. And and that's also another great thing about it is like because of the way that they've set this up, the way that they can like weave back and forth through different timelines and different realities. Like that gives them pretty much like infinite possibilities for bringing people back who were already dead, for um, recasting characters that are, we thought were already set in stone, uh, crossing over for all sorts of different timelines and doing, you know, exploring um, other other stories that aren't necessarily going to be canon, but they still feel like would be fun. There's there's so much that they can do now. And it's it really I'm, I'm in awe of of how they managed to pull this off like i think i might even like it, i think i might be even more impressed with this than than i was with with endgame and just because of the potential of it is so uh it's vast it's limitless it really is yes the um uh moving in moving into the um we have the ending because we had talked about sylvie kill we talked about sylvie killing he who remains We've really got to talk. We've really got to talk about that that um, that ending, that little final teaser, when she sent when she sends him back to what we believe and what the viewer believes is the is the TVA, but it's something different. So, with with that, as as we go into this, we really continue to go into the idea of these alternate worlds, of the infinite worlds, and we see that. Mobius does not recognize Loki. Because initially I would see Loki running through and nobody reacting to him. And I'm like, this is weird. This is strange. And then the moment that Mobius doesn't recognize him, I'm like, holy crap, this all makes sense. And then we see the statue, the statue of He Who Remains. Or could it be Kane? And that's when we realize this is a completely different world than what we remember. So much so that Mobius wants him uh, taken away. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what did you guys th- what did you guys think of the um, finale, Sandra? Okay, <laughs> it's 
bitter, it's tragic, but good, okay? It reminds me of the Planet of the Apes, pick a version, if you will. And also, it has, like, a very good, like, if the Twilight Zone meets MCU kind of way, because it's like, oh my goodness, where am I? This is, and also, again, it's tragic, because um, Sylvie, uh, you know, poor Loki, his girl crush, you know, manipulates him by kissing him and drops him like a hot potato, and his boy crush doesn't know who he is, so, you know, he's, it's sad, it's sad. it's sad. It's no one's happy at the end. Loki's lo, Loki's alone. He he and Sylvie felt kind of unfulfilled after he after she, you know, you know, you know what, you know, stabs a uh, he who remains. And oh, by the way, let's talk let's talk about that let's okay, that kiss. Because no one talks about the kiss. <laughs> when, okay, there is some Loki and Sylvie, Sylvie kiss. Some people don't want it. I expected it. Same here. And, oh, and people were cheering. People were, like, were like disappointed because, you know, it, it seems like a, a, sh- a ship that's sinking. But to me, that kiss, because if you really think about it, it's a manipulation of itself because she goes for the kiss first and and then next in a few seconds later she pushes him away and i'm this is me digging even deeper notice in that shot the absence of the dagger so and it goes back to that whole loki's metaphor dagger metaphor from a few episodes earlier this is me being wearing my tinfoil hat and and with my in my poster board of strings and and the you know the dagger you know when you look up for it you know it disappears and that's and that's what it is and also going back to the cycle of mistrust so Michael so um i i thought it was um like you said, uh, as as Sylvie uh, kind of initiated that kiss in order to manipulate Loki, it, it goes back to what they were talking about. I think in earlier episodes where they thought maybe, uh, or she might have accused him, uh, or even even Mobius, even threw it out there that he was just going to you know kind of pursue this or even pursue her as like a way of you know ultimately just like getting what he wants. And it was when he, it turned out to be like a projection on her part because um she was still at that point even at the end where she was willing to exploit that and ultimately um really hurt loki because um they, they had that really you know that tender moment when she, she she just she still thinks she's so convinced that he wants power above everything and he tells her you know i don't want a throne i, I just want you to be okay and she doesn't really know how to process that still. She's been on her own for so long and so full of mistrust and full of hatred and vengeance that, you know, when she finally sees somebody that cares, like she, she almost, she kind of sees it as like, it's like this roadblock. Like, no, 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 this, this, this can't be the thing. 
that takes me away from what I'm I'm supposed to do. And um, to see uh, Loki hurt so badly by that, like Tom Hiddleston really um, in that moment when when she after she does send him back to the TVA, and he's sitting there, um, and he he got this he's like the hopelessness that comes across his face that he's able to project is is really strong. And then he has like this moment where like, oh wait a minute, I might not actually be alone. And then he goes to find Mobius and turns out he he still is um yeah definitely very tragic ending but i actually have a different way i saw that ending uh so we had the whole thing where they were in conflict with each other i don't think that was them being genuine i think that was part of their act because uh, she sends them back to different timeline on purpose uh, there's actually a motivation there. It's not because she actually hates him, but we're supposed to make make the audience as well as Immortus feel like they hate each other, and that's why she's sending him away. I think there's a plan that they both came up together that they're working toward, but he can't really uh, uh, express uh, himself without giving it away, and same with her. Uh, and then also, it's... I think the real uh, sad part, though, is that is more the actual when he does go to this alternate timeline. First of all, uh, you do notice that the timeline is just as affected like in their normal timeline where there's there's the little variant uh, split offs just because of the the two Loki situation still happening there. And while they don't recognize him, uh, the saddest part isn't really even that. The saddest part is. Uh, Mobius is now this guy that's completely a workaholic, clearly doesn't care about jet skis, and is all about, you know, getting the mission done. So much so when uh, Loki pops up and gets in the way, he's like, take this, take him away, He's and all that. So you're like, this man doesn't want his jet ski, and it makes me sad. I chant you a jet ski. He doesn't want a jet ski. If this they is really sad. <laughs> I, I I seriously need I seriously well you know how that sometimes they do like the deluxe pop figures where they have a vehicle or something. If someone doesn't make Mobius on a jet ski as a pop figure, I'm gonna be sad for this world because I'm not gonna lie, I would buy that shit right away. But um, with that, as we come to the end of the, as we come to the end of the. Last episode of season one of Loki. Um, overall, in terms of your ratings for this final episode and for the whole series as a whole, let's go. What do you guys think? This last episode, I'm going to give it a, a very rare five out of five because of the potential of what this set up. I mean, uh, this is the thing that's going to lead to the Fantastic Four coming in. This is the thing that's going to lead... To the X-Men coming in. This leaves the door open for, you know, all, all the, all the, for them to be able to bring in the very best things that have already happened and to prune out the worst, you know, mm-hmm. to, you know, use that phrase, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> justly, but, it's um, getting dark there, kid. They, uh, <laughs> so they could do anything. They could bring back Hugh Jackman. As Wolverine, if they wanted to. Yeah. 
they they can do so many different things um and just the 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 potential of it is is mind blowing for what they could do they can come out with you know marvel 1602 they can do marvel zombies they can pull anything from from anywhere and they can blend it all together uh and th- th- there's so much uh, that they can do now it's, it's it's so crazy to think that we're we're at this place in terms of you know what you can be uh or what this universe can be as you know and, and what we can enjoy as as comic book geeks and, and fans so this this episode uh this final episode is going to get a, a five out of five from me and um i think for the series as a whole um, i'm gonna give it probably probably uh you know i'm gonna give it a i wish i could do quarters but you know the, the fact that i enjoyed the ending so much i'm gonna give the series as a whole uh, 4.5 out of 5. I would say like a 4.25 if I could, but no, the the fact that you know Jonathan Majors knocked out his his introduction into um, He Who Remains and Kang and Immortus, he, he really did such a great job on that, and I'm, I'm looking forward to see what he can do. And I hope everybody who is curious about his acting abilities checks out Lovecraft Country for you know multiple reasons. Not only is he really good as a lead in that but it's also a pretty good show but um yeah i'm just i'm just so blown away by what they've accomplished and what they've set up sandra i uh i would give this a full uh hmm ooh hard sell because huh? i'm like I said, I wish we can do quarters, but I would do. I would have to be fair and say give this a a. You know what? Screw it. I'll just say five out of five. It's a really good season finale. It's it's refreshing and it's kind of like makes you think like who's who's really the good person. All I know is that it's it's not Renslayer because women who gaslights, gatekeeping, girl boss. I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, five out of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so sorry. You didn't give the overall rating of the show. I'm sorry about that, Sandra. Here, you go. Oh, the overall rating of the show? Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, this is like my out of the three MCU series, you know, on Disney Plus, to be fair. <laughs> uh, this is my favorite one. This is like, I give it a 4.5 out of five. I'm like, so ecstatic this is like this is oh my god this is the best thing i've ever seen in my life i'm honestly right there with y'all um yeah this was a legitimately this was a perfect episode this is like you said sandra and i agree this is the best of three mcu disney plus shows i give this i not only for everything that everyone has already said but everything we said during the podcast I think as a as both a fan of Marvel and as a fan of just genuinely genuinely strong entertainment, there's really no reason to give this anything less than a five out of five for this episode. And like you all said, um, while the series has had some slight hurdles, they are very slight, and because of that, definitely a four and a half out of five for the series as a whole. Yeah, if uh, if Marvel can take a more risk like they do with Loki, it's like they'll have another hit on their hands 
Oh, here's the part where everybody was looking forward to my rating. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We're all like, it, it, yeah, we're doing that thing. Like, we're all looking at you like, well, hmm? Well, I wish I could be like everybody else, but zero out of five. Just kidding. Fuck you! It's a five out of five. It's actually the best episode of the show. Uh, there's so much going on here. There's so You're much. It's the worst thing since. <laughs> Your rating is the worst thing since Sylvie and Gluten Kiss. Says yeah, true, true. every, continue, every continue other person say. ever. I'm going to say it again. You made out with your <laughs> sister, man. <laughs> but, um. Oh, oh, have you heard? It's not, it, it's not incest. It's self. It's not incest, says it's the self-love. upper. <laughs> yeah, it's self-love. But, um. Yeah, the episodes is great. Uh, it set up a lot of things, like with me and uh, I, I was talking about earlier, like Secret Wars and just other opportunities. Uh, there's no boner here, thankfully. We're actually Thank getting God. some stuff, stuff set up. Uh, Except one the for the one that Loki has for Sylvie. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's just so much greatness here. We're setting up one of the big bads of marvel uh and just opening up to so many options um definitely the best of the uh, uh episode of the series so far uh well sorry so season two is not out definitely so far um but overall i have to give this show a one out of five just kidding um scumbag daryl scumbag um I will say that I'm going to be a little bit more conservative in my rating. I'm going to give it a four out of five. This episode definitely put it up there, but my my criticisms on far as character development, which will if they are resolved later on in the series, I will definitely reevaluate my score here. But because there was there was too much uh, focus on Flash uh, over substance until that very last episode. I feel if they can kind of uh, imp- uh, improve upon that in the second season, I will definitely reevaluate my score for the for the series as a whole. But yeah, at the moment, I I can't in good conscience give it a 4.5 out of five like everyone else. I'm sorry. Don't throw things at me. I'm not a horrible person. I just play one in a podcast or something. <laughs> He's just drawn that way. Oh, uh, I'm just drawn that way. So you're just born this way. <laughs> so with that, did anyone else have anything to say before on the episode and on the series as a whole before we wrap things up? Do you have something to say, Ian? Um, no. I'm okay. square to go. All right. Okay. Um, I okay. I forgot to mention. I like the music in in the series. It's like yes. 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 Just yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, just yes. Because I talked to uh, Ian earlier about the, mu- the their music choices. I liked how they u- they the use of like like oldie of like uh, oldies they call it oldies music. Because besides classical. the what classical? No, not classical. We're not talking about Beethoven and Bach. I'm talking about like in certain like uh, the the certain episodes you got yourself like. Uh, uh, if you if you love me, really love me by Brent, like like Brenda Lee. That's a mute. That's a song from the fifties. 
and another and another one which is Dark Moon by Bonnie Guitar. That's again also from the fifties. And of course, you got yourself like the the one the that one big band's music uh song from the last episode. But that's that's they're playing it kind of ironically. You got this. Yes, and also of course, you know whole you know. That whole hero song, holding out for a hero, setting up the whole 80s vibe in the second episode. And that one song from from Haley Kiyoko, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, to set up the, her, set up the, uh, be, um, what's her face? C20s, Hunter C20s, like, ver- variant lifestyle. Which is a song, which that song by Haley Kiyoko, Demons, is a song from 2018. Hmm. More like, nope, nope, I was wrong. It was released. Uh, it was originally set to release in 2019, but, you know, pandemic, so. But, I don't know, not pandemic, uh, things happen. So it was released in 2020. So, not that, not that long. So I just want to, Spew my love for the music of the of this of this series, which is pretty rare, considering I never talk about the music. At least for the other two stuff. And what about you, Michael? Uh, you had something to say? Yeah, I was just um, really surprised when you know we we're hearing about all these shows are going to be running out uh, on Disney Plus. You know, we're getting uh, Cap, uh, you know, Falcon Winter Soldier. We're gonna get Loki. We're getting all this good stuff coming our way, and I really did not expect this to be. Um, I did not expect it to enjoy enjoy it as much as I did because, you know, honestly, you know, I as much as I like Tom Hiddleston, I like uh, Loki and what they've done with him, and, and the fact that they've uh, made this character, they've brought out his uh, complexity from comic book to the screen so well. Um, I, I was really, I really felt like it was going to be so easy for them to like uh, overplay it, to um, really kind of like overdo it and play into the um, uh, what's the right word here? Um, kind of like uh, the fan service of it too much. Almost playing but, the fan, almost pander to the fan base. Yeah, but they still managed to keep like. Uh, the, they managed to maintain the maturity uh, of what was going on uh, with the character as he was, you know, going through this uh, uh, self evaluation and this evolution. So, um, and the fact that they were able to also introduce uh, a, a new character in, in Sylvie that's just as um, complex and really, at the end of the day, just as uh, lovable really as as a loki that we're we're used to seeing and just um just hats off marvel again god damn you guys like we keep on it's 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 just like with, with that hidden mickey it's like that's, yeah that's everything it's like you're basically saying like yeah you're basically you're my slave you you have to kind of just go along with what You're I'm the doing, CEO. and I'm you CEO. better appreciate it. And you just have to go along for the ride, and you have the trust that this is best for everything. And it's like, 
God damn it. It was me having a hard time arguing with this point because I'm just enjoying it so much. And, uh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. I, I can't wait to see what they do with what if. And, uh, this, I'm, I'm, I can't wait. You know, I can't wait to see everything that happens with Fantastic Four and X Men. And, um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Yep. Same. Um, one more thing. One more thing, Jackie. Okay. <laughs> I'm so, so happy you understood the reference. <laughs> one more thing. And I'm Asian, so I can get away with that. <laughs> anyway, uh,. I like how how they do with like the character with Sylvie. I mean, you could she could easily be like you know the next enchantress, but in some ways she is. I mean, she enchants better better than better. Well, actually, classic Loki is a is, you know is top notch, but she enchants. However, she's her own character. She's a she's a she's a perfect blend of Lady Loki and. Sylvie L- uh, Lushton? I don't know. I can't pronounce well. <laughs> and but and also in and make it there and make it a, a known a different character, a better character. Prove me wrong, boys. <laughs> and as we bring this episode to a close, where can we all find you on social media, Sandra? You can find me at Sandra Soapbox on Twitter. Tumblr and Instagram. And if you do go on Tumblr, I am very sorry for the Mobius Loki fan art that I reblogging. Oh. <laughs> yes, I am that kind of girl. <laughs> Where did that trombone come from? Michael? It sounds out of tune. Oh god. Um you can find me on social media. You can find me uh, on Instagram at 4 Suit, And on Twitter, you can find me at PhoenixPoet. Dan? You can find me on Twitter at Falsy and uh, Instagram as... Sorry, not Falsy, sorry. PunkUSA. And then on Instagram is PunkUSA and Facebook. If you want a Facebook, don't Facebook. Facebook. And you can find me on as Mac 33 the incredibly original name on Instagram. Um, the even less original, Ian underscore under, R underscore Macintosh on Twitter. And of course on Facebook at Ian Macintosh. And you can find this and many other episodes of Circuit 42 on iTunes and Spotify. And with that, that brings us to the end of the newest episode Thank you for listening, and good night, everyone. Rawr!